everybody. Welcome to episode 46 of the Switch Focus podcast. Um, I'm your stand-in for Andy Corrigan. Um, I'm Ginny Wu, and with me today is Andrew Brown. So Andy has some family stuff to deal with, but um, we'll be spicing him in, so you'll still get to hear all of his awesome opinions about games that he hasn't played yet. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, so have you been, Andrew? You've probably got the the most games played this week out of all of us. For a astounding change of pace, yes. <laughs> Let's go with that. Cool. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> we've got some updates from last episode. Well, one update from our last episode, and that's going to be Andrew talking about Pycross S. So I think he last played it in episode five, or we last brought it up in episode five. So there's been a good 40 or so episodes since then, and Andrew's just going to give us a hot take on how, I guess, it's been since he first visited the title. Yeah, I started this... Just before episode five, we recorded it last year. <laughs> In September of last year, it's been almost exactly a year. Pycross S is the first Switch entry in the Pycross E series, which I think is made by a developer called Mercury Corporation, something like that. Uh, they put out like seven of these games on the 3DS, and I played most of them. So naturally, I was excited when they put one out on switch because i love the switch and i love picross so it seemed like a pretty good combination and uh especially since it surprisingly didn't have touch controls but i didn't mind that but i'm sure other people found that kind of odd but the bigger addition was it finally put in just a maybe mark which is something i've always wanted in the game in the 3ds versions but they never really seemed to add a mark that said maybe this is something that might be here so you had to kind of work from memory or work on another piece of paper which i don't really like doing so i, I appreciated that addition pie cross if you've never played it before is where you take a grid and you make a picture out of it using individual pixels on each of the grid squares. You have to use a number code on the left and on the top of the grid that gives you hints about where pixels could be and it's very difficult at first but once you get the hang of it then it kind of kicks in and you can blow right through them in a few minutes. Uh, there's 150 regular pie cross puzzles which I finished quite quickly uh, but there's, al there's also 150 mega pie cross puzzles puzzles and mega pie cross adds in new mega numbers which straddle pixels on two different columns uh, and i have a much harder time with mega pie cross which is why it took me so long to finish this game because there was a puzzle that i was stuck on for literally months uh <laughs> yeah Damn. i would come back to this game you know every once in a while see if i could figure that puzzle out finally i did and I don't really don't know what I learned in the meantime to help me solve it. I just I just happened <laughs> to solve it one day for whatever reason. Mm. I've I've never been a fan of Mega Pycross. I know lots of people who love Pycross and they just can't stand Mega Pycross. But every time they put out one of these new Pycross games, there's Mega Pycross puzzles in them. Uh, I I've kind of learned the tricks to them, but. I would be perfectly happy if they didn't exist anymore. There's a Pycross mm -hmm. S2 out now too, and I'm sure there's going to be Pycross S3, 4, 5, 6, 7, just like happened on the 3DS, but I need a Pycross break, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to be getting them because yeah. those mega puzzles are exhausting. 
but it's a good game. I enjoy it. If you like puzzle games, this is pretty much my favorite puzzle series out there right now. It used to be Sudoku, but Sudoku got taken over by Picross. So <laughs> I'm happy with it. I just, I need a break. Cool. Well, I, unlike Andrew, am just like really, really bad at Picross. Um, <laughs> I I have tried Picross S and I also played the other Picross esque game that was out on the switch around the same time the name is now escaping me as i record this hang on let me just quickly i think it's called quickly just pick a pics or something yeah um pixel no pixel lines oh oh yeah yeah pixel lines. we all played that so last I, year yeah so i played we all played pixel lines last year and pixel lines is like the the child's baby's first pie cross i i feel like a difficulty level and I was still struggling a decent amount with some of the larger puzzles there, so I am clearly not the kind of like Picross solving genius that would be cut out to play all the multiple Picross games on the Switch. But if that is your thing, you know, you do you, highly commendable. And I think it's great that we just, I guess, have the same depth and breadth of games available on the Switch that, that I guess Nintendo has always churned out for the other consoles. So, yeah. Not my thing, but if you're like Andrew and you like Picross, then you should check out Picross S. Sounds like there's a whole bunch of value in there, um, just based on these mega Picross puzzles alone. Well, let's pop into the latest Switch news. So in Switch news this week, we're going to cover two things. Well, one uh, minor sales number thing and one giant thing. The giant thing being the August 2018 Nindies Direct. So it's going to be packed full of titles. Um, We won't go through, I guess, every single one in depth. We may kind of pick out the ones that we really liked um, and talk about those a little bit more. But suffice to say, there were just a whole bunch of games that were announced at that Nindies Direct. It's going to be a really big chunk of our news. But before we segue into that, we have, I guess, on a related tangent, um, Switch software sales have been doing amazingly well compared to the Wii U. Just caveat, compared to the Wii U. <laughs> That's not so... saying much. <laughs> so, well, if you think about the time frame, it sounds pretty impressive, right? So... Apparently, Switch software sales in Japan um, over the past 18 months have overtaken five years worth of Wii U sales on the software side. So I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, yes, noted the Wii U was like a notoriously unpopular console towards the end of its lifetime for those couple of years and sales sharply dropped off. But regardless, I still think that 18 months versus five years figure makes it pretty impressive. And obviously it's just going from strength to strength with all these new titles that they're announcing. So did you expect this, Andrew? I mean, I I expected that it would outsell the Wii U, but maybe not on that scale. I mean, what were you thinking? I really hadn't given any thought to software sales. Uh, I kind of assume that everybody buys all the good games I do and I get frustrated mm-hmm. with them when they don't. Like uh, Battleship yeah. Brigade, which we're going to talk about later in this episode, I found out recently didn't sell very well, which is inconceivable to me. Buy Battleship Brigade. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think it's good. I think it it basically drives home what all of us here at Switch Focus have always been banging on about, which is that the Switch is the future. And that all games should be ported to it. And I think that it's very, very clear that if any developers were previously unsure about the cash cow potential of the Switch, you know, you shouldn't be. You know, people love this thing. They they love Mario. They love Zelda. They love indies on the Switch. They love Hollow Knight. They love the console. I think 
I think more stats like this will will eventually result in the world state that we are that we are wanting, which is a state where all games are ported and Andrew gets Borderlands 2 on the Switch. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. And on to our main news item, we've got the August Nindies Direct. It announced a couple of key things, which is that there's going to be a new news channel. Um, you know how the Switch has its little news channels for your games and updates and stuff like that. There'll be a new indie-focused news channel that you can access um, in the Fire Channels pane, and you can subscribe to it for updates about indie games. So that went live as of the day of the Direct, so it's usable now if you're someone that likes to track those things and likes to keep up with updates. I don't really, I just use the Breath of the Wild one occasionally for free items and stuff like that, but I'm not really like, you know, getting my news from the cutting edge source of the Switch news channel. So take, you know, use that as you will. Um... But apart from that new Indie Focus news channel, clearly they announced a whole crap ton of games. So we're going to just run through them and their projected release dates that were at least the release dates as of the date of the Nindies Direct. These are obviously subject to change. Look at Kingdom Hearts 3. So in terms of um, the games that we have picked out from this, which I guess we found interesting, we're just going to run through the whole list anyway, but we'll pause and give you some brief thoughts um, when we hit stuff that we like. So first of all, we've got Hyper Light Drifter, which is going to release on September 6th. So that is like four days away from the day of recording. So very, very exciting. And it's a top-down action adventure um, that has Switch-exclusive equipment that could be really useful. So I, for one, have had this game on my Steam wishlist for the longest time. It, it it looks super great. I love the aesthetic and I love the story. It kind of reminds me a bit of Dungeon of the Endless um, in terms of the, the, I guess, the core aesthetic. And conceptually, you play someone that's dying from a fatal disease and you embark on a quest to A, cure yourself and B, cure the world. So um, it's great. You mean, you know, there are just like, there are Steam forum threads of like over 200 pages. Like people have dived so deep into the game's lore that it just makes me so happy that it's got a juicy story and it plays well. So if you like action adventure, top down, I guess, brawling style games, you will want to play Hyperlight Drifter. There's also Towerfall, which releases on September 27th. So at the end of the month, and this is an archery combat platformer with multiplayer emphasis. Um, I've played it before. I can guarantee you it is way more fun with your mates. Um, it's got things, it's just kind of feels like, I guess, uh, pixel smash with arrows and throwable weapons. And, and yeah, I don't know if you've played this one, Andrew, or if you've got this on your radar at all. Well, I never owned an Ouya, so no, I haven't played this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so, uh, it looks real good. Um, I know it's out on the PS. It's definitely a multiplayer heavy game. I would not want to sit there in a room and grind Towerfall by myself. Um, notably, it's got characters from Celeste playable. We've got Madeline and Badeline. So if you're a Celeste fan, that could be a cool nod for you. Um, we've also got Treasure Stack, which will release in the last quarter of this year, which is a puzzle platformer where you arrange chests that are colored the same and open them with the right keys. So Andrew, you were looking at this one? Yeah, it, it didn't show us much in the direct. And if there's more information out there, I haven't 
been able to find it, but it's a puzzle game. Looks like it's in the style of Tetris Plus, which I think is one of the more lamentably unknown Tetris spinoffs, because Mm -hmm. in Tetris Plus, there was a little adventure guy who would run around inside the game field and you had to interact with him while he while you were playing Tetris. So it's it's kind of the same conceit as that is it's got your standard puzzle falling tile uh presentation but there's a little character a little adventurer guy running around inside of that field and he has a hook shot that you can use to move the chests around and position them into places and if what i'm understanding from the video and from like the literal one sentence summary we got of the game is you line <laughs> yeah. up you line up the colors of the chests so that way they all connect and then there's also color coded keys that you have to connect to those chests and that'll clear out the line and it looked like it could be a lot of fun uh i don't normally play puzzle games very deeply i'm hoping it'll have like a like a a mission mode or some kind of story component to it that'll keep me more involved in it but uh, if it's a good idea then i'll still i'll give it a chance uh i'm interested in this and andy has also put down a note that he's interested in it too maybe you'll hear more about that from him later yeah um moving on we've also got zavot which is a top-down laser combat game which releases in october 2018 and this is a timed exclusive Um, We also have Mineko's Night Market, which will release early next year, which is a crafting shop sim with adventure and social elements. So it looked to me to be a little bit like Animal Crossing um, crossed with, I guess, like running, running your own shopkeep thing. And it's got cats in it. It looks super adorable. I love cats. I love crafting sims. So I'm going to go hard out on this one when it comes out. I've been waiting for so long and I really want it on my Switch as soon as possible. Um, there's also Samurai Gun 2, which is an action platform, which has a graphic novel that comes with it, um, apparently, so that could be interesting. Maybe they'll load that up on that new comic reader, um, that's being put out on the Switch later this year. Could be a good tie-in for them, we're not sure at this point. There's also Bullet Age, which is out at the end of this year, November 2018, which is a post-apocalyptic co-op action platformer. So, post-apocalyptic... I think is sort of like one of my keywords that jumps out when I think about the games that Andrew likes to play. Hey, like you're interested in this one. <laughs> what are you suggesting about my character here? <laughs> Actually, what I was thinking when I saw this was like, oh, another post-apocalyptic game. Oh my gosh, that's like there's so many of those. There must be something about the world today that inspires these feelings in people. Yeah. Uh, but it's a an action platformer. It's a shooter, and it's got some kind of world exploration component to it. It, it might sure, be yeah. something interesting. It's it's described as a console exclusive, which to me means that it will also be on Steam. But if you want to play it on a console, you can get it on Switch. Uh, mm. I I like shooters. I like side-scrolling shooters a lot of the time if they're well-made. So if this gets good reviews, I might take a closer look at it. But I don't know. I was just... Uh, I was feeling a little more sympathetic towards this game than a lot of the other things on the list. Is like, I don't know about this, but I think if I were to give anything on this list of games just an outside chance, I think Bullet Age would be it. Sure. Well, I guess we'll see what happens when the game comes out. Um, we've also got The World Next Door, which releases in early 2019, which is a narrative game with real-time puzzle battles. So... It looks here from our show notes that Andy will have a little, well, Andy might want to chat about this because he quite liked the emoticon puzzles. Um, So yeah, he might take you guys into more of an in-depth look at what he's waiting for with the world next door. Otherwise, we have Level Head, November 2018, which I think is probably the first game with an in-depth level editor on the Switch. 
it has drawn, I think, and it will draw comparisons to things like Mario Maker. But it's interesting to see that um, a, a game is launching with, with I guess, this degree of customizability in terms of level creation. Um, I think that would make it really popular. Um, I personally don't really care for games like this, but Andrew and Andy might. Yeah, Mario Maker is, you know, if we if we don't count Breath of the Wild, which I don't, Breath of the mm. Wild is a Switch game. Uh, Mario Maker is the best game on the Wii U. It yeah. it's it's really bad for making Mario levels because it just it just <laughs> is. But for making yeah. Mario Maker levels, it's actually pretty fantastic. There's a lot of great stuff you can make with it. A lot of really imaginative creators out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say at the end of the Wii U's life, Mario Maker was pretty much the only thing keeping it going. I'm a little disappointed it's not on Switch already, and this looks like it could be a pretty effective stopgap or even a replacement if Mario Maker never comes to the Switch. I don't know the reasoning for it not being here already, Mm. uh, but it's not. And, you know, we've got games like this coming out. uh, Wargroove, which is an Advance Wars-style turn-based strategy game, is coming. It's going to have a pretty in-depth campaign editor from what I've seen. And there's also RPG Maker, I've just seen news posted just seven minutes ago, has been given a February release date for North America. So uh, I think games like Levelhead and RPG Maker and Wargroove are going to give a lot of longevity and value to the Switch. So I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to love Levelhead, but I am excited to see it come to the platform. Mm, sure. On top of that, we also have King of the Hat, which comes in early 2019, and it's a hat combat slash platformer. Intriguing. Um, and then there's also the Untitled Goose Game, which comes in early 2019, where you basically simulate being a goose who is mean to everyone. And gooses um, are, geese are cruel animals. This is, I totally believe everything happens in yeah, this game. Um, the trailer looks pretty wild. You can see geese terrorizing humanity stealing stuff pushing them over just being general bullies and as someone who's been chased by a giant geese and isn't very tall i i feel the visceral fear that those humans must be feeling in that trailer um and i'd like to take a walk on the wild side and be the aggressor for a change so i'm gonna play this game um i know andrew's already super keen on this and andy's basically apparently kindred spirits with the geese so that's a yes from all three of us. Um, Andrew, <laughs> sound like you're already very excited for it. If all the games that were released in that Nindy Direct, I saw this and I was like, yes. Because yeah. I had actually been following this game before when it was just like this in-development thing that didn't have any platforms assigned to it. Mm-hmm. I didn't imagine for a moment it would be on Switch, but I'm so excited it's coming. Because <laughs> this game... It looks so awesome. Uh, I can't wait to take a play as a goose where you just go around in some guy's garden and just steal all of his vegetables. And then yeah. he chases you and you run away. As you can see, Andrew rarely laughs on this podcast. So this is definitely going to be like a GOTY contender, I feel. I'm um, laughing this hard because of the video <laughs> <laughs> look up the commercial this game looks amazing <laughs> yeah I, we highly recommend that you actually watch all trailer material associated with uh the untitled goose game there are also clips on twitter um of the untitled goose sock making the rounds at pax which are hilarious in their own right so if you're wanting to build some hype about this game please go watch everything to do with untitled goose game i promise you you will not regret it 
Um, I hope Untitled Goose Game is its final title, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. I am banking it being the final title. People love it. So I hope it sticks with that. It's clearly doing something great, giving us a new perspective um, on, on, I guess, being a human versus being an animal in games. So it looks great. I want it. Andrew wants it. Andy's probably going to be hysterical watching the trailer himself as well. So, yeah. Um, And then we also have a bunch of other titles just to quickly run through. Um, that were also announced at the Nindies Direct. So there's Desert Child, December 2018. There's Wasteland 2 Director's Cut, September 13, which I think Andy might have some words on. There's Bastion, that also launches September 13. Andy will finally play this. Thank God, Andy. Oh my gosh, what have you been doing? I'm so glad this game's come to Switch because of that. There's The Messenger, which has already come out and people are loving it. So um, I'm not sure if I will pick that up at this stage, but it's looking good so far. There's also Undertale um, later on in September, which Andy will also finally play for the first time. This is a great month because Andy is getting to know all these new franchises, which he'd held himself back from before. There's Jackbox Party Pack, which will launch in October 2018. You all know that party game by now. And then Transistor in November 2018, which Andy will also finally play for the first time. Praise Jesus, this is making me so happy. And then we've got Dragon March for Death, December 13, Lightfinger, September 20th, and Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP, October 2018. Now, there's also Into the Breach, um, which I know Andy has picked up and not currently played yet. Um, it is a strategy game, um, I guess, about, about using mechs and defending what's left of, of Earth and the world against incoming mechanical doom. It's on my wish list. I haven't touched it yet either. Um, I don't know if Andrew's also keen on this or not. Uh, if I hadn't already bought Monster Hunter this week, I would have totally gotten into the breach. I'm right, actually yeah. getting I'm getting kind of frustrated with Nintendo's uh, launch day announcements where they release the game on the same day they announce it because it's making it kind of hard to plan ahead. Right, right. Uh, but I, I feel sorry for Bad North, which came out last week. Uh, because it, it definitely is in the same niche as Into the Breach, where it's extremely short uh, strategy sessions, like yeah. really short levels that you can finish in a couple minutes or even mm-hmm. a couple seconds, probably, if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Into the Breach was already a big hit on PC, so I think it's going to do really well on Switch, and uh, I think Bad North is kind of going to get buried, so I feel bad for that game now. Hey everyone, by now I'm pretty sure you're already aware that I'm not there live today, but I couldn't leave you without my spicy takes. Hopefully Ginny's hosting the show okay in my absence. First of all, I'm just going to talk about the Nindies Direct, so just uh, I'm sure they've already given you the rundown, so I'm just going to quickly run through the stuff I'm particularly interested in. Uh, I have an outside interest in Hyperlight Drifter, I understand that's a really popular game on other platforms and this one has some switch exclusive equipment which could be super interesting i'm also mega interested in treasure stack uh, which is kind of like a match three puzzle game but with platforming elements where you have to match colored chests and connect to the right key it seems like it could be frantic and, and fun also one that grabbed my attention was minico's night market which is coming in early 2019 uh, it seems to be like an adventure game with crafting and shop sim elements. It seems to look like a, a cross between a, a top-down adventure and maybe the Cooking Mama games with some of those mini-games. That could that could be quite an interesting mix. Uh, the World Next Door also looks really cool as a narrative-driven game with its 
puzzle battles which look really fast paced and the dialogue trees that seem to operate on some sort of like emoticon system. Uh, Level Head is another one that looks really exciting and it seems like this company are doing what Nintendo won't and bringing that sort of map making Mario Maker style adventure to the Switch. Uh, it looks really interesting and I'm sure as with many of these games it's only as strong as the the people that use it and understand it uh so time will tell how good that one works out uh it looks like i'm finally gonna get chance to play bastion and transistor and undertale from the sizzle reel stuff wasteland 2 director's cut i've been going on about this one for a while i loved it on ps4 never finished it Uh, i am so hyped for it to come to switch uh, but I feel like it's coming too soon. I've got too many big games on at the moment, but I'm going to pick it up anyway, and I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Uh, but the biggest game, which I'm pretty sure is the same for the others, was the Untitled Goose Game from House House, where your goal is just to ruin everybody's day. In that sort of sense, I feel like I'm kindred spirits with the goose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, can't wait to check that out and uh, ruin some virtual people's days. Oh, yep. And with that, that basically rounds out um, the games from the Nindies Direct that was just had in August. So we've obviously got some clear favorites, Untitled Goose Game being probably the favorite, the trifecta, if you will. Um, So we're looking forward to playing those games, I think. And if there are any games that we might have missed, I don't think so. But if there are any games that you're really, really keen for that we kind of glossed over, just let us know. We're happy to have a dialogue always and to discuss the games that we love on the console that we love. So moving on to stuff that we played this week. Um, as mentioned earlier, Andrew played most of the stuff, but um, you know, that's how it normally is. We've got some highlights for you here. We're going to talk about Battle Chef Brigade, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, and Andy will also talk about Prison Architect. So let's go. <laughs> Alright, so jumping back into what we played this week, um, I think we'll start with Slime San, the Super Slime Edition, which Andrew picked up. Uh, for those that don't really know, it's like a Super Meat Boy-esque platformer. Um, and Andrew, what were your thoughts? Uh, Super Meat Boy kind of says it all. That's kind of what Super <laughs> Slime is. You play as this little creature that makes disgusting noises when it moves around and it stains all the floors and the walls green yeah. when it touches them. It's a super responsive, super hard platformer. So, you know, it's uh, it's Super Meat Boy, but it's got its own unique ideas that it brings to platforming. Uh, and I think that's actually where it stumbles because Super Meat Boy is really focused on just what Super Meat Boy does. It's mostly precision jumping, you know, really getting your timing down to get past obstacles or do wall jumps to get through certain areas. And that's kind of all Super Meat Boy does, but it does it really, really well. Slime Son is constantly introducing new mechanics and it doesn't really feel like it nails any of them before it's moving on to something else which is kind of disappointing but uh it also adds a lot of new abilities on top of just the basic jumping and wall jumping uh it, the main ability is slime son can enter an alternate state basically that slows down time 
yeah. uh, which which makes platforming a little bit easier, but it also makes it so that way Slime Sun will pass through anything that's colored green. So it adds a lot of new wrinkles to the maps, which mm-hmm. it could be cool. And then there's just all kinds of things that only last for a few levels. Like there's these slugs you can ride on their backs across dangerous oh, nice. terrain, like in... Yoshi's Island, like uh, when you're writing Poochie in the Yoshi series. Uh, there's another power-up you can use that'll turn Slime Son's little bird companion super big, so that way they can carry it through the level. The game basically becomes Flappy Bird at that point. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just got so many ideas that I, I feel like it could have been stronger if it had focused on just a few of them. Uh, and then there's the worst thing about the game is it's just ugly i didn't even buy this game when it first came out because i looked at the screenshots and i was like oh this is just not nice to look at Uh, it finally went on sale though for a really good price which is the only reason i got it 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 uses these really kind of neon colored greens and reds for most of the colors Uh, Mm -hmm. things that are green are good things that are red are bad if you touch them you will die instantly pretty much Uh, and then like everything else is like a white line or a black slash gray slash dark blue backdrop and the entire game is made using these six colors it even brags about it on a loading screen at one point (laughs) (laughs) and it's like like, I don't know why you would make such a big deal about this. This game is really ugly, and it really did impact my enjoyment of it because there's right. like this there's this city that you can go to at any time. It's just this little sandbox. It's filled with things you can explore, things you can discover, things you can buy using mm-hmm. the collectibles you get in the levels. I spent barely any time in there because it was just a headache trying to even figure out where I could go. Because yeah. Everything is white, green, and red, and it's all neon colored. And uh, just uh, this is this is a good platformer. It's not on the level of Super Meat Boy or Celeste, but that graphic design that they chose just it really held it back for me. Not mm. a fan at all. All right. Well, it looks like if you may have visibility issues, you don't want to play that game. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. I don't know how bad that game would be yeah, for people who are colorblind. I was going to say that color combination sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a shame. Um, but as Andrew said, there are tons of other great platformers that are also still on the Switch, so don't despair. Let's talk now about Battle Chef Brigade Deluxe Edition, which was the other, I guess, quote-unquote, big release or big update that happened this week that Andrew and myself both managed to crack into. Um, I know Andy is still not so sure about, I guess, the Battle Chef Brigade front, but that's all right. Maybe we can convince him. So just a quick rundown, I guess, of what this mode has added. So it's a free update for everyone. Um, This crosses all platforms that the game's available on, not just on the Switch, but obviously we're going to talk mostly about how it plays out on the Switch. So now Battleship Brigade, it's now called Battleship Brigade Deluxe. When you launch the game, there's a whole new cutscene. Everyone's looking all shiny and nice. All the fan favorites are there. And it now has local multiplayer. Um, You can now play as Ziggy, who is a chef that you meet in the game, so that I won't spoil it for anyone. He's a pretty cool dude with a pretty cool companion, and he's a fun time. And there's also a whole bunch of new play modes. So there is survival mode, which um, sounds, you know, is exactly what it sounds like. Um, There's also free play, where you can set up custom matches against AI to practice, in a way, and local multiplayer. So... 
there's also a host of other stuff like that is mostly, I guess, cosmetic. There's illustrations, there's gallery mode where you actually get more illustrations for rising up in the brigade ranks and stuff like that. They've also probably rebalanced some characters, but I don't often, um, I often really just want to play as Mina if I can help it, so I haven't really noticed it. Um, and there are Easter eggs which are in the game which I haven't found yet. So let's just quickly kind of, I guess, get, um, I guess, our general thoughts on how this update has improved the game. So let's go with how Andrew has felt in the wake of this new update. I played Battleship Brigade. I really liked it. Uh, I don't think I liked it as much as I think I realized I did. It's only recently that I've started thinking about it again, and it's kind of risen to the top of all the games I played last year. Uh, I, I know last year in our Game of the Year episode, I said Super, not Super, uh, Binding of Isaac was the best indie game I'd played that year. I think I've since changed my mind. I think Battleship <laughs> Brigade, I think Battleship Brigade was my indie game of the year of 20, yeah. <laughs> 2017, but oh well, moving on. But all that was really in the game back then was the story mode, and then there was a, a daily cook-off challenge that you could do to compete with other people in asynchronous multiplayer, which was, that was a pretty cool thing. It just, I didn't always have internet access, and when I did have internet access, I wanted to be playing other things. So I didn't really come back to it all that much after I played the story mode, but with the addition of this survival mode and the free play mode, there's a lot more here to keep me coming back. Uh, the survival mode is really cool, although it's it can be kind of cruel, but uh, it's definitely where they're the, the most challenge in Battleship Brigade now, because you're given pretty much a completely random setup. You choose one of the three playable chefs, Mina, Thrash, or Ziggy, and you'll be given a challenge to cook a dish uh, that's pretty much made up of random ingredients and has a random element assigned to it and needs a minimum score you have to reach. And even a score like as easy as... 50 which is what it starts you off on can be pretty challenging to get with the timeline that it gives you and you don't have any of your power-ups that you have in the story mode which hurts you a lot more than you might think it would because uh, <laughs> those power-ups really help you and it can also do things like it can ask you to make a, a dish that's made mostly with the bull enemies from the the forest map I'm, I'm sorry i haven't played in so long i don't really remember the names of things anymore uh but that's a primary fire element dish for most of the ingredients there but the dish might require it to be a water element so you have to cook a dish using a primary ingredient that has none of the elements that the final dish has to have and it since it's all randomly laid out you can actually get really screwed over right from the start so there's that element of randomness to it which maybe some people wouldn't enjoy so much but i i did it added challenge to the game which i i thought i had discovered way too quickly how to break it open using a really cheesy combination of items uh, and every time you finish a survival map you can choose additional upgrades that it offers you uh, and these are all randomly selected so you know getting to the top ranks in survival mode is it is has an element of skill to it but there's also quite a lot of luck and randomness to it as well but i enjoyed it i enjoyed my time with it there's a new system in it where the more points, like the further you get, you earn points, which increase your brigade rank. And you get your brigade rank up, that'll unlock new images for the new gallery, which this will add a lot of longevity to Battleship Brigade, which maybe is the reason it didn't do so well, because there was kind of the story mode and that was it. Uh, so, But this gives a reason to come back, which I really appreciate it for. 
Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I actually really enjoyed just kind of going into free play mode because I hadn't played for a while like Andrew um, after I'd, I'd initially dealt with the story when we first reviewed it. And it was quite actually good to just go back into free play and actually, I guess, make sure that I still knew how the game worked. Um, because I remember, um, I just remember how I felt when I first started playing it, like a week off and came back and were just completely useless. And I thought, well, don't want to repeat that. So I actually found free, free play mode really, really useful because you can fight against pretty much any NPC chef that you've dueled, um, or at least I've dueled pretty much all of them. So maybe that was why it was, I had any option there. I'm not sure if that's like a every chef or like chef that you've fought, but um, you guys can try it out and let me know. Um, and you can also customize loadouts and stuff, which is also what you can do with the multiplayer options. So I, I really found that free play mode fun. And I think like everything that Andrew has mentioned above with survival mode and free play mode and the new character and the gallery, um, it definitely feels a lot like they've added content to ensure that the game keeps ticking along for a while. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I think that it's also good that they've, they've made, they've made some changes to a bunch of the monsters that you can fight. Um, it, it looks like some of the monsters now do less damage to you and that they actually have a tell. Some of them have more obvious tells before attacking, which I think are a good thing. Um, and I mean, there's also a bunch of stuff that, that has also been improved. Probably fixed a bunch of bugs. I didn't encounter any of these bugs myself. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, like I said, this, th these are the patch notes with pretty much all the versions. So some of them could have been PC bugs. Who knows? Um, but overall, it looks like it's it's a great improvement. Um, I didn't really realize that Thrash, Thrash had been rebalanced because I don't want to play as Thrash. I'm sorry, <laughs> buddy. This is not my thing. He was kind um, of boring to play as. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think Ziggy is, is great conceptually, um, but I just I just think Mina, obviously, by virtue of the main story being mostly about Mina, has the most kind of pull as a character. I think Ziggy's really fun. Um, his moves are really cool. Um, so instead of, I guess, doing things that Mina will traditionally do, he's kind of more like a summoning class um, mm. and gets people to attack things for him, which is like a new way to farm items. And also he's got really cool kind of passive skills that will let you, I guess, send items to your pantry from out in the woods and stuff. So I can see how he would oh. be fun. <laughs> I didn't discover any of these. I played a few matches as Ziggy, and I was just not feeling it. And I just went back to Mina, and I was like, yeah, this is yeah. that game I loved. <laughs> yeah, I think I just got so, so used to Mina. Like, I, I just couldn't even, like, wrap my head around another character because I just got so attached to her, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, there, there's a he's really cool. Um, I think it's like a, a skill level up that you need to. It's a combat upgrade, I think, that lets you shoot or send enemies, um, not enemies, send ingredients to your pantry. So that's handy. Um, but you know, I, f I feel like if you've mastered the game with Mina, you might well just be used to her like we were. So all in all, even though Ziggy is not hundred percent my cup of tea, I think it's it's great. And Andrew, I'm sure, thinks it's great that it looks like the games that are on the Switch are constantly being updated and more content's being put out there. And I really, really hope that this time people give it a chance. I mean, it's so cheap now. I think it was like $11 or something on the eShop like two or three yeah. days ago. It's on and sale. Buy exactly. Battleship Brigade. I know. It is so cheap. It is worth so much more than that. And now is the time to get it at an absolute steal with all the new content that they've put out. So highly recommend it. I would go for it. Um, and as you know, it gets the Switch for a seal of approval. 
And, and now all we need to wait for is for Andy to play through it. In another game this week that Andrew has touched on, um, he's played Brawl. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called Brawl. It was on sale for 99 cents. I guess this publisher Ooh. has a bunch of games on the Switch. And I'm guessing that they haven't been selling very well because mm-hmm. the publisher had this promotion put out to buy one of our games for 99 cents and then post a screenshot of you playing it with your friends and we'll give you a prize and i was oh, like damn. okay yeah. yeah well i tried i tried brawl and, and i think i have discovered why their games have been doing very well because this is a bad game oh. uh it, brawl is bomberman uh but it's starring like off the shelf generic numbers filed off uh, horror movie monsters so like one of the characters is like this blind girl with a, an evil teddy bear and there's another character who is like a, a crash test dummy in a wheelchair with no legs uh there's a mime with his mouth sewed shut there's an evil clown uh just stuff like that uh, it, it could be a pretty cool aesthetic uh a, a nice twist on Bomberman, but it, it's just it doesn't play very well it doesn't feel good to play and I died a lot and it didn't always feel like it was really my fault because the enemies are really good at avoiding your bombs <laughs> and it's really hard to pin them uh, in place. So I, I played a lot of Bomberman when I was a kid and I never really felt like it was this difficult to get things done. I think where the game goes wrong is a lot of the enemies you fight actually hurt you with melee damage uh, and as versus the Bomberman series, at least in the core, the core multiplayer modes, which is probably how most people are familiar with Bomberman. Uh, there's games like Bomberman 64 and Bomberman Hero where you do fight regular enemies, but those are completely built around that mechanic. This one is built like a traditional Bomberman game, but there are enemies that kill you by walking into you. Uh, it, it just it didn't work. Uh, I I wanted to like it. I played it quite a bit but i gave it quite a few hours and i beat the story mode with like half the available characters but after a while just the constant death just wore me down so mm. I, I i quit and it takes a lot to make me quit a video game i have to be really frustrated to just outright quit something uh but i was not enjoying it i did not think it was a good game i have little redeeming to say about it the cutscenes are kind of cool it's, it's got a cool aesthetic and it's got a narrator who is really sarcastic it's it's kind of fun but as a game i it's just not there just take a pass on it so let's move into a game that i think andrew's been a little bit more positive on um than brawl at least in our discussions pre-show and that's monster hunter generations ultimate or um often abbreviated to monhan gen alt by andrew and by many people that use twitter because this name is too damn long so, <laughs> Andrew, this is your f- first Monster Hunter game? It is, but I I had spent a long time reading about it, and I was yeah. kind of aware just through osmosis of constantly being on video game social media, uh, a lot of the, the mechanics. So I, I hadn't played one before, but I knew what I was getting into, which I think is reducing a lot of the frustration that I think other people are very fairly expressing about Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, especially sure. in light of World, which has really refined a lot of the ideas in the series. There are, is too much information in this game, uh, <laughs> and it throws all of it at you at once, does doesn't tell you what is the important things you need to know and what is just like minutiae which you should become aware of over time 
I it, I'm still unlocking new things, and I've been playing for like seven or eight hours now. Uh, I just got to the multiplayer hub where I can really join up with other players and really do what I think is the core of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna do the weapon tutorials. Uh, just to see which one I liked. And there's actually a tutorial, not only for every weapon, but for every sub like art style, every class style that you can pick. So just doing the tutorials, just doing the, the basic tutorials took me two to three hours. Uh, you add up all these weapon tutorials, even though each one only takes about 10 minutes, that's like another four or five hours of just doing tutorials. It's too much information. I really think they could have worked harder to boil this stuff down, especially with games like Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which we can see from the demo is a game that was made as though it was people who already know what they're doing. So I don't understand why this tutorial is so rigorous, but I forced my way through it. I don't know if I necessarily understood all of it. Certainly many of the weapons, even though I did the weapon tutorials for them, I didn't fully understand their functions because some of them were just so unpleasant for me to use. I didn't care to try very hard. Mm-hmm. I, I, I took a liking to the, the longsword and the charge blade. Yep. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked those two. I think those are what I'm going to be mostly going to focus on. I liked the the twin blades too, but the, they're just they're so weak. It takes too long to kill anything. So, yeah. not too focused on those. Another thing that really surprised me once I actually got into those basic one-star quests was how few of them actually involve hunting monsters. <laughs> I spent a long time just running around picking up mushrooms. I had yep. no idea this was part of the game, and it, it's by far the thing that I've been most disappointed with in it. it was I just I'm coming at it from like a philosophy of like World of Warcraft, where gathering is a thing you do while you're doing other things, not a yeah. thing that you do as actual progression in the game. So. I've been a little disappointed in that, but it's got weird controls because it used to be on 3DS, so I get that. Uh, they work well enough. The ranged weapons aren't don't feel all that great to use, but they're functional, but I don't think I'm going to focus on them too much. I'm not very far into it. I've, I've still only actually fought the great macau however you pronounce it that's the yeah, only like okay. that's the, so that's you're pretty the early on still. Yeah, that's the only major hunt i've done but i'm enjoying it i still want to give this game some time i want to get deep into it I, I don't know if i'm gonna go all the way with it since there's a lot of game here i can see yeah. that even from the outset I, I might get bored with it if it's just if i get sick of picking mushrooms or whatever but i still want to give it a chance i've accepted its downsides and i'm looking to get deeper into it nice um (laughs) that was very sinister for me but um no yeah um so i know andy will have some words on this as well which you'll hear after after i have a have a crack at it um but i have played a lot of monster hunter um and the most recent monster hunter game i played was monster hunter world so obviously coming back to generations feels a lot like a downgrade in terms of quality of life like um i know some people are quibbling about things like the graphics quality which is 
to I me, think it, look, it looks fine to me. I, mean, I know. And to me, it's like, why would you expect this game to look anything like Monster Hunter World, which runs, you know, on Epic, on PC and PS4? Like, why would you even expect that? But anyway, yeah. you know, people are quibbling about strange things like that, um, which I don't understand. And people are also quibbling about, I guess, I guess things which, which I do understand, which is, for one, as Andrew mentioned, the art system. So the art system is now gone, right? It's just, pff, it's, it's, it's gone. Um, it's not a thing anymore. You just have the weapons and, and that is absolutely it. There are no more arts. Um, and that I think was the biggest change for me from sinking, you know, hundreds of hours into Monster Hunter World and then to come back to this and go, oh no, I actually have to remember how these worked and remember how to use them. Um, and, and the thing with the arts is, is while the game says, pick any art you want. It's not really. Pick any art you want. It's make sure you pick any art you want, but also learn how to use the aerial art because that will be useful because it's going to be sub. It's going to be part of subquest conditions for some important quests. So you're going to need to know how to use the aerial art to get stuff done, essentially, in the game. Are you talking about and, Generations Ultimate? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to write this down because I <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've been using the guild style this whole time. Yeah, that's you can the one use you the guild with. style. That's completely fine. But once you uh, once you're able to unlock aerial art, you should learn how to use it because there are some key quests which require you to actually mount monsters, oh. and the, the way to you do that is with the aerial art. Yeah, I did. I've done that once successfully. Yeah. There's it. There's a whole tutorial that mentions it. It's yeah. like the first major combat tutorial, but yep. the area that you're in that it tells you to do it in absolutely sucks for getting any height over the other monsters so i couldn't pull it off yeah it is mostly nonsense doing it without the aerial art um a lot of the landscapes that you initially encounter will actually not be as vertical as you expect um which makes the whole mounting thing um basically something you need to do with aerial art and there are some key quests that involve that and the fact that Andrew didn't know that is also an example of how Monster Hunter Genol doesn't really explain what quests are important. So it gives you a whole bunch of quests because it does have every the most quest content. is important. <laughs> it do gives them you the... all. <laughs> yes, you can do them all. You can do all the delivery ones as well. Um, but a lot of the delivery ones actually don't count towards anything major. You don't need them to progress to the next level. But the game will not tell you this. And the game will not tell you which quests do actually help you progress. They just say, here are all the quests you do, and you kind of figure it out. Um, What happens when you're down with a certain number of key quests in a particular difficulty level, like Hunter Rank 1, Rank 2, Rank 3, etc., there will be like an urgent quest you need to do that will signify you being able to move on to the next rung of quests. Um, again, a lot of quests that are certain ranks will actually have prerequisites, which the game will not tell you about. And, um, these are really only, I guess, discovered after people have gone through the trouble of playing this game for hundreds of hours and writing out guides. So, um, don't be surprised if you struggle a bit with actually progressing progressing to the next hunt level you might be thinking oh i've done all these quests and all of them are you know finished i've killed all these big monsters why am i not progressing you might have missed out on a quest to hand in an egg or something two villages ago you know or a quest to deliver three berries so it's just stuff like that which the game won't actually tell you the game will never say hey andrew or hey whoever hey john and jane playing this game you have got to do these seven key quests in this level to get to the next level. The game will not say any of that. 
It will open up all these options for you, and this version on the Switch, Ultimate, has a whole bunch of DLC quests, so that will make it even more confusing for you. There was like 50 of those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's a good 50 um, quests which you can download, and once you download them, you know, God knows, tracking them as optional or not is going to be a nightmare. So... Basically, no what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm telling you is Andrew's approach is the safe route. Okay, if you're in doubt, just do everything. Because you'll always get something useful out of it. Whether it's materials, you know, whether it's Y Academy points, whether it's, um, you know, what was it? Um, whether it's more things to upgrade your gear, whether it's um, just even progress towards the next area and the next monster. It is worth pretty much doing everything that you're unsure about just because there is no real downside. And some of these fetch quests are really short anyway. So it may be annoying to do them, but it's better to be safe rather than sorry, I'd say, if you're playing it for the first time. Um, and I guess on top of that, my, my other main main gripe about this, this game um, is it's just not all that friendly i mean i know andrew loves it which is great i love that andrew likes it 100 percent. i'm so down for that but i think a lot of people that may be thinking about coming to this as like a newish player or someone that's only played world it is please prepare yourself for this to not at all be like world do not go into this expecting the same kind of streamlined experience because You've got 2,500 menus to look at. Um, you've got 3,500 customization menus to look at. You've got, you know, um, menus to do with items, menus for matchmaking. You've got menus for pretty much anything that you can make a menu for. Gen Alt will have a menu for every single thing that it can possibly have a menu for. So if you haven't seen that before, it can be very overwhelming. Also, the loading screens between zones, that is not a thing in World. It's all completely seamless. Hmm. So if coming to this from World and you're having to deal with the loading screen every time you move into a new zone, it will grate on you. Um, it grated on me a little bit, but then I was, you know, my brain kind of, uh, my game's been hardwired to enjoy this masochistic inefficiency because I've played so, much, so many of the older games. So I got over it really quickly, but not everyone will. Um, and playing as a palico, that's probably actually one of my favorite things to do, which I know Andy actually physically hates. <laughs> and he is almost repulsed by the sound of these palicos. Um, that is a very singular sentiment from Andy. I love them. That's the one that you can't Ugh. do in world is play as a cat. Oh, come on. The noise really? they make is so irritating and they make it constantly. I'm not even talking about when you're playing in prowler mode, just when you have palico companions which oh, yeah. makes you, which makes your life a lot easier it's always worth yeah. taking them out because mm -hmm. even if they're not good at combat they'll gather stuff for you so you don't have yeah. to deal with it but they make this meowing noise constantly in the background <laughs> when you're just running from place to place yeah, uh, I, th I think this is gonna be a game I play with the sound off a lot <laughs> yeah I, I think I think that's fine and that's a that's a legit critique um they are they are pretty talkative so if you don't like that then by all means play with the sound off a lot of the monster attacks are like telegraphed by appearance anyway so you you really won't be i think missing anything crucial from the low and high rank quest by having the sound turned off which is fine um but um yeah if you're someone that's new to to the game and you are a little bit i guess daunted by the amount of content that the game throws at you Please know that all of us have felt that way at some point. This is just how Monster Hunter does things. It is may not be the best way, 
may not even be the right way, but this is the Monster Hunter way. And Monster Hunter Gen Alt, it's important to remember, it is basically the culmination of all the previous Monster Hunter games and sensibilities in one thing. So if you're ready for an MH overload, you want to play this game. If you're not so confident, then maybe it would be a little bit too much for you. But there's a lot there for everyone. Um, I think the tutorial is good. Um, by good, just caveat, I don't mean well-paced. And, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't mean 100% necessary. But I mean good in that if you actually do it, you will get out with, with enough knowledge to actually down your first big monster. The demo yeah. was looking really shaky. You know, it told you pretty much nothing useful. But the tutorial will actually give you skills you need to actually make some headway into killing some big things. Yeah, the so, demo was pretty rough because I was really yeah. struggling to figure out the controls. And mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, grok why they were the way they were. But just playing through the tutorial where it introduces everything very meticulously in a row, uh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't even think about why the controls are the way they are. They They just work. So yep. you can refine them a little bit in options in the options menu. Uh, there's like a, a like a five pages of little switches you can turn on and off to change like the directions things move or just swap buttons around. But yeah, I, 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 just understanding where it's coming from as a game that was originally made to be played on the 3DS, I totally understand why everything works the way it does now. Yeah. So uh, so like we both said, play the tutorial if you played this game. Um, be prepared for a long haul. Hunting is not everything. If you're looking for like a, this is not a boss rush game where you just fight thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. There's quite a bit of downtime and quite a bit of things for you to do in that downtime, like cooking, like eating, like figuring out what stats work for you, what weapons work for you and what arts work for you. So this is a game that you are not going to smash in a weekend or even a month. Let's just be really honest here, right? Unless you're playing it nonstop every day, it's going to be hard to smash it in a month. This is a game that is kind of like, you know, it's, you know, a marathon, you know, it's not like, it's not a sprint, right? You want to take your time with it and really learn how the game works. And if you have the time and the patience for that, I think it'll be incredibly rewarding because it does have, like I said before, the most content basically in any Monster Hunter game out ever. So there is so much to do if you've got the time for it. But if you can't stick that time in, then I would probably want to look at a different entry in the franchise if you're really, really keen on a Monster Hunter game. But <laughs> for the Switch, it exists. It's great. I still love it. I am super nostalgic about it, so I'm probably really biased when I say that I love it despite all the faults that I've identified. But it is a worthy entry into the series, and it really is a definitive Monster Hunter game of the past, anyway, before World came out. So I think it's worth your time. At least from my opinion, I know Andy will have some more thoughts about this and we'll cut to those in a bit. Okay, so Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, bit of a mouthful. Uh, Now this is a series I've always wanted to get into but have never found it click with me. I found here that the tutorials are painfully slow. They're really, really awful and drag on but they're absolutely necessary to understanding the game now that i've stuck with them i feel like i understand the series a lot better in previous attempts i think i've probably ignored them or just skipped through them because i know video games now i'm gonna get my hand slapped by the others but i'm gonna make the reference here and this is purely anecdotal because monster hunter came first but this is like it feels like the souls or bloodborne combat but in a different 
structure entirely. Uh, there's a lot of rolling. You're you're targeting the enemy. You're using everything to your advantage, and it just sort of has that that similar sort of rhythm. Uh, one thing I'm really liking is that it doesn't hold your hand at all. Uh, in the demo, which we complained about two episodes ago, the target monster had a mission marker the entire time. That does not exist in this full game. Uh, you need to find the monster and tag it with a paintball, then a marker will exist for a bit. And that's just another reason why that demo was not representative of the full game, because it just does not show you every little detail like this early portion of the game does. Uh, and it's that's just an example of like the sort of level of depth that you have to to adhere to or to be wary of when you're playing this game. You've got to keep track of things like weapons degradation, uh, meter management, knowing when to when you're going to leave yourself vulnerable, how to interrupt attack animations, how to use your palico comrades for the best advantage. Uh, there's other elements. I understand when you go to colder climates, you need to drink hot drinks to keep yourself healed basically or to keep your health up your maximum health and and vice versa in hot areas where you need to drink cold drinks you have to do a lot of item micromanagement where you are you know in between missions you will go through everything in your inventory everything in your item box just to make sure you're prepped for the task that you're about to undertake it manages none of this for you which is something that you'd sort of expect in any other game of this ilk. Uh, the good news is I think I dig it so far. Uh, I've just sort of beaten the first proper mission uh, and it's opened up some other villages for me. And yeah, I th think like with the, the Souls games, there's that definite learning hump uh, that takes you a while to get your head around it. But once you make the breakthrough, it's really good. I have one complaint. Uh, now, Ginny's probably already spent her portion of this gushing over the Palico comrades. I kind of hate them. I love cats. I should like them, but the constant meowing and mewing when you are traveling is just almost driving me to the point of insanity. I wish I could mute them. You cannot apparently those options exist in Monster Hunter World. Uh, it's just one of those things I'm going to have to get used to, but I feel like this is the game's biggest challenge for me, is whether I can just put up with this constantly going through the missions. I know you can drop them from your party, I know you can play as one, but I don't think that's going to help me in the long run, especially in some of these tougher missions. But yeah, that's the only thing. At least you can kick them. Of course, I should say I don't condone kicking felines. So yeah, so far, so good in this uh, attempt at me trying to learn the game and get into the series finally with all the hype i've always been jealous of people that have liked it and um, but i do think with its structure the the hub town and mission structure i think it's going to be one of those games i pick at here and there just whenever i fancy hunting a monster i don't think it's going to be one i'm going to obsess about although the the structure the gameplay loop is super addictive at this point i think it's one i'm going to be able to just you know, play over a long course of time, but just chip away at it a bit at a time. So yeah, so far so good. I'll keep you posted whether I have a change of mind or whether I start disliking it or, or whether I just fall in love with it. We'll find out in the coming weeks. Right, so now moving on to games that Andy has played. Um, Andy's played Prison Architect this week and Into the Breach, and we're just going to segue to him telling you a little bit more about both of them. Okay, Prison Architect. Uh, so in this, I'm just going to focus on the story mode, which because I haven't played any of the, the sandbox mode, which is like the real mode of the game. Um, 
the story mode so far is basically just the training wheels uh, but it does give you a good idea of how the game runs how what sort of things you'll be dealing with while you're playing in the, the full mode uh, so first of all it runs really well uh, i had worries having watched streams and youtube videos of this game about how the complex ui from the pc version was going to carry over into the switch version and they seem to have done a wonderful job at reworking that for consoles uh, so you basically control the camera with the right stick so you can just move freely around your map and the left stick controls the the virtual cursor and then everything else is done through menus you bring up with the directional buttons uh, it's really slick everything snaps perfectly there was at no point where i felt i was struggling to like draw borders for buildings or direct the characters or the you know the staff of the prison around where i wanted them to go uh, so yeah so that's really cool it's not finicky at all in terms of the story mode basically it, it's in five chapters it puts you in charge of five different pris prisons and each one teaches you a different facet of the game the first one is about building rooms the second one is about how to deal with damage to the property say from fires third one's about what to do in a riot situation uh, each one has its own narrative uh, it, it seems to tie in with the narratives of the other chapters which is interesting so it seemingly will start off as its own thing and then you'll get a little glimpse of how it's connected to the other stuff so the first one starts off focusing on someone you need to build an execution chamber for he's a cold-blooded killer as they keep telling you a jealous husband who shot down his wife and his love and her lover uh, and then in the second part it sort of devolves into mobsters in prison and hits taking place and then that will suddenly tie into the first one so i'm looking forward to seeing that how that unfurls in the next couple of episodes uh, in terms of the actual management stuff it is very very deep so you're not just building the buildings that they'll be using you'll be building the plumbing you'll be building making sure everything's wired up to electricity you need to take care of the needs of your prisoners so it's like up to you how you manage things and how nice you are to the to the prisoners but if you keep them entertained keep everything clean provide them with food you'll find that things move along smoother and they'll be more cooperative uh, if they hit like a critical point where you're really lacking on something that's when they'll start to look to riot uh, other things you can do which I, I found surprising you can try and properly to rehabilitate people you can set up alcoholic counseling drug programs it's it's really up to you how well you treat them you just got to keep an eye on your profit the one thing i will say is that the messaging side of things is very mixed so in the, the first chapter, it, it makes a point of telling you that it's not your job to think about why the prisoners are there, just to facilitate the law and go through with the law's orders. So if they're saying execute someone, that's not your job to say. But they do make compelling arguments against that um, about how someone you're punishing would have received a different sentence in a different state and how unfair that seems. Uh, but they, they don't seem to lean too heavily on it. It is purely... A management sim uh and yeah it's the, the story is the only part where they're trying to pull on these these sort of moral compasses and i don't think it's fully effective to sort of say anything meaningful they're just sort of leaving that up to you
And one other thing to mention on it, which I thought was really cool, you can sign up for an account with the developers and upload and download other folks' prisons. So if that's something you're into, you can uh, download someone else's uh, attempt at a, at a prison and, and see if you can run it better or make changes. That, that is a really cool feature and it sort of really extends the longevity of the game, I think. Yeah, so another one for me that's uh, so far so good. I'm looking forward to playing more. Uh, again, this is one I'm going to dip in and out of. I, I sort of had fleeting interests in uh, management sims, so I'll get stuck into it for like a week, then I'll drop it, then I'll come back to it and pick it up again. So yeah, I I, I think it's recommendable. I really, really think it's a good good port uh, and they've managed the, the tricky stuff really well, especially with the controls. So yeah, check that out if you're after a good management sim on the Switch. Okay, I feel like I've played uh, three games that I've really enjoyed this week. So the last one is Into the Breach, which which was, of course, the last game mentioned in the Nintendo Showcase uh, as their It's Out of out Now game. And uh, I picked it up because I've, I've heard the buzz around it on PC. I wasn't expecting to get to it so quickly. Uh, so basically, I've been playing Owlboy as my weekend game. I finished that on Friday night. Uh, so I was going to start Hollow Knight by didn't quite have the weekend I was expecting and uh, thought yeah I'll check out Into the Breach instead because I understood the runs in it were pretty quick fire uh, so I'm pretty much just going to give you a short surface level overview but I have played more than I, I expected to have at this point but it's basically a roguelike turn-based strategy game uh, and it's sort of set in a world that's a bit like Pacific Rim uh, only the monsters in this drown quite often they're uh, scared of the water uh, and you basically have three mechs that you can drop into these tiny little maps that are grid-based and then you have to battle the uh, monsters which they call Vec uh, and basically survive is the crux of it but you do have bonus objectives like protecting buildings or only taking certain amounts of damage uh, and it's like quick fire chess uh, so basically before each turn the monsters will move and signal what their attack will be in the next round and you basically have to react to that. So your response isn't only to kill them, but also to manipulate where they are. So say if they're about to attack a building, which in this game is also equal to your power, you can hit them with an attack that will knock them away from it. So they'll either attack a mountain or nothing or really pleasingly each other. They will continue to attack no matter what. And then basically if they attack, if they destroy all the buildings and remove all your power, that's game over and you have to start your whole run again. So it is a bit of a roguelike in that respect. If that happens, you can pick which pilot survives. And the, the storyline sort of takes you through timelines. So when you die, you're actually jumping into a new timeline to try again. It's a really smart way of contextualizing the, the restart and how certain things carry over. Uh, it's also permadeath. So if one of your pilots dies, they die, and their replacement doesn't earn the same perks that a real pilot does. Uh, so basically i i'm like 10 at least 10 different runs through and i've still got this one pilot who i've been plowing on my my upgrades into uh, they start off with the uh, very little health that so is very easy to lose them very very quickly and yeah and that's pretty much it you three mechs deal with uh, different types of attacks you've got the humanoid one which can punch things you've got one that can shoot over obstacles such as buildings or other monsters you've got one that is just a straight forward shot where the its fire will just keep moving forward until it hits something 
and yeah so it's it's a really fun little turn-based strategy game and i'm really into it i i'm it's taken me by surprise just how much i love it so yeah that's just a very quick overview i at this point i very very highly recommend it um and i think andrew would really like this in particular especially after his uh after the shortcomings he found with with bad north in terms of a lack of a progression system so yeah check that out highly recommend it and i i'm pretty sure i'm not the only one that would be recommending to that anyone tries this now for another game that all three of us have played once more um a complete 180 tonally from monster hunter <laughs> um, it's the walking dead season one so um i guess we can just share our general thoughts on on this i think we very briefly spoke about the walking dead a couple episodes ago um but let us let us kind of i guess jump into jump into it again and just we can start with andrew i suppose thoughts um reception on the console and future of the franchise well uh, a couple weeks ago we noted that Walking Dead final, the final season, although I, I don't believe yeah. it'll actually be the final season, exactly. uh, but that's what they're calling it, has come out on the Switch, uh, which I thought was kind of odd because the first three seasons weren't on it yet, and it's a game where you are supposed to carry over your data between each game. So that was seemed like an odd choice to me. But Walking Dead Season 1 is finally out on Switch. Uh, the relationship between Lee and Clementine is probably the most powerful relationship in any video game ever made uh right, it, yeah <laughs> uh season two and season three are they're fine but i probably wouldn't be as invested in them as i am if not because of season one which right. is seriously one of my favorite video games ever made and i hope final season lives up to it but if you're really committed to playing this game or if you've never played it before but if you're committed to playing through the series on the Switch, you now have that opportunity. Season 1 is out. I have heard rumor, as I noted back in our episode, I think two episodes ago, that there is a complete series box that they're putting together. So maybe wait for that one. It would probably be a better value overall. But if you don't want to wait, then it is out on Switch, and I'm sure it runs fine. I have heard no complaints about the Batman series, so I'm sure this one runs fine as well. Uh, it's an amazing game. If you want to pay $25 <laughs> for it, which is... Uh, is kind of hard to swallow because you can get it for less than five dollars on other platforms if you wait for a sale but yeah it exists it's an amazing game it's on switch that at least is worth acknowledging even if it's not the best value yeah i i think as well continuing on from what we mentioned a couple episodes ago because the final episode is coming it makes sense if you haven't played it to actually buy it now um, I mean, like, I I loved Banner Saga. I played it on other platforms as well. But when I knew that 3 was going to come to Switch, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to get them all again. And I did because I really enjoy that franchise. And so if you're like me, but obviously replace Banner Saga with The Walking Dead, then, yeah, it might be worth it for you. Um, but I can only stand my heart getting broken so many times. And I find it really, I find emotional games like that really draining to play. Um, not that they're bad at all. Like, obviously, it's a good thing that it's making my ice cold heart feel something. Um, but I find games like The Walking Dead very hard to, to play, I suppose, more than once. Like, to kind of go through those emotional hooks and those emotional ups and downs more than once. So, 
Um, if if you are like that and you've played the first episode already, there's probably no need to really buy it again. And as Andrew said, I suspect they are going to put out a whole, you know, a whole series bundle at some point. So unless you're like dying to play it before the final episode comes out, you really, 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 really need to really the story right now. Then um, yeah, if you if you feel that way, then get it. Why not? Um, it is a great game. Um, like Andrew said, um, it is really emotional. We can't even talk too much about the plot line at all because this is you just don't want to do that in a, in a game like this. Um, but it 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 is it, it is really bleak. Um, yeah, the you know, plot it, is the game in this. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. The plot's the game. We can't really spoil it for you. Um, it is it is really really bleak. It's really really um, harrowing. Um, as you would expect of, I guess, and I suppose any sort of Walking Dead, their product. And Telltale does a really good job. If anything, you know, them releasing this um, on the Switch makes me just want other Telltale games on the Switch, you know, like The Wolf Among Us, and even like the Borderlands game on the Switch, you know, why not? Just bring the whole Telltale library along with you if this does well. Um, But yeah, no, I think it's great that it's on the Switch. It's great that we're getting more variety of games on the Switch. We've had a great 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 flood of indie platforming games indie roguelike games and hopefully with this we see we see more games in the telltale style making their way over here so i'm all for it ready go so now we come to my favorite section of the podcast, which is the one that I have I have really winged the past couple of weeks, because spontaneity is the fountain of life, or something like that. Um, it's the Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo Switch prediction section, and we are going to give you some predictions. <laughs> so, Andrew, what is your prediction for this week? I have no idea what's going to be in it, but Nintendo's been doing this a lot lately. Uh, it's going to have a season pass. All right. Um, that's fair. No, that that's cool. No, that's cool. That That's all right. I stole um, yours, didn't I? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, cool. There has actually been a leak um, on a very unreliable source. By unreliable source, I mean, I mean 4chan. Neo Gaff, um, <laughs> yeah, and Neo Gaff, and there has been a supposed leak of extra characters uh, to the roster that are characters that you'll earn um, by beating, I guess, the main mode, and and by beating, getting achievements in other game modes. So the the leak is uh, of dubious, um, of dubious, I guess, authenticity, um, but they mention Banjo Kazooie. Gino, Skull Kid, um, Incineroar, Isabelle from Animal Crossing, um, <laughs> Medusa, and Bandana Waddle D, which I know is a meme. That one I know is a meme from the past couple of weeks on Twitter. But I think some of the rest are not too far out there. The leaks also mentioned Dark Meta Knight as like an Echo Fighter, which I can see as actually being a thing. And I would love if Isabel was actually also in the Smash roster because we only had the villager who isn't even really a character from Animal Crossing. He's like a self-insert. Like, why would you put him in this game? It doesn't make any sense. And and also Black Shadow, who was meant to be Captain Falcon's Echo Fighter. 
So, um, I, I think some of these are, are possible. Obviously, like I said, the source is dubious, but I think it would be believable to have at least some of those candidates above as, um, as unlockable fighters by completing single-player campaigns and getting achievements. So, yeah, go with that. Yeah, it took me about 10 minutes to get here, but that's that. Um, and yeah, now we'll flip quickly to Andy's predictions, which he's going to be super prepared for. Okay, for my Smash Brothers ultimate prediction, uh, I'm gonna think that for the Pokemon trainer, for throwing out a Pokemon, they're gonna have some sort of Joy-Con throw ability in in sort of the vein of what they're going with 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 uh, Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah, that's mine. So um, that's a wrap for our current episode. What are you gonna be playing this week, Andrew? Uh, well, unless they spring something on us at the last minute, like they like to do, uh, mm-hmm. something from the backlog, I think. I, sure. eh, I may as well just admit it. I'm being bad in the coming week. Uh, I, I am limiting myself to one game a week, and Spider-Man comes out on PS4 next week. So Ooh. that that's the one game I'm playing. Deal yeah. with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, and I will probably be just smashing away at Mon Han Gen Alt, because I can, and I'm going to be revisiting Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in anticipation of the Torna DLC coming out. So I'll be grinding away at stuff that I've already played, or slash am playing, so I don't think anything new will be on the cards for me, but if something small comes up, I might pick it up, who knows. Um, and I know Andy will probably be playing some other things, maybe it's a Spider-Man, but he can tell you himself. Okay, what I'll be playing in the next week is Into the Breach. I'm going to start Hollow Knight this coming Saturday. And the rest of the time is going to be split between Ease 8 and Monster Hunter. And I'm hoping to get a bit more Prison Architect in. that's it for us folks um thanks for listening to this episode of the switch focus podcast if you enjoyed our episode as per usual please leave us a review on itunes because it really actually helps to get the show bumped up the charts and noticed you can also listen and subscribe on stitcher TuneIn, and other podcast services and join our discord server to interact with the lively switch focus community and we'll leave a link for you in the show notes as well you can follow us on twitter youtube facebook and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates news and other content and if you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee. And we've got the details for that on our website and in our Discord channel. Um, for those that have donated to our coffee, and if you're not on Discord, we just thought we'd let you know. We have used some of those funds um, to purchase, partially purchase a new editing license for the podcast. So we can get the content out to you quicker than ever. So there you go. Your money's being put to good use. Okay, keep donating. We love you. Um, Apart from that, you can also follow us individually. You can follow Andy at, at Flame Roast Toast, Andrew at Play Critically, and he also streams at twitch.tv slash playcritically. Um, often a lot of the games that we, that we talk about on the podcast will show up there on the channel, so go have a quick poke around. And I am Ginny at Ginny Woes. Thanks again for hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next week.
Uh, cut that out.